This episode of the Expat Cast is brought to you by Lingoda. Lingoda is the number one trusted European language school. They are about to start a special offer where you could actually get 100% cash back for participating in a language sprint. With a sprint, you are challenging yourself to complete 15 classes a month for three months. If you do that, you'll get 50% of your cash back. Or a super sprint is you challenging yourself to do 30 classes a month for three months. And if you succeed, you'll get 100% cash back. Another thing that's cool about Lingoda is that they are a fully online language school. They've been doing online classes for three years now, and they offer English, German, French, Spanish, and business English, all with expert design curriculums and all in small classes. So maximum five people. Now, I mentioned last week that I was signing up to learn French through Lingoda. Well, I had my first class, funny story, the first class I signed up for, I got the date wrong and I ended up missing it. I was so upset with myself for dropping the ball so early, but the cool thing is because it's not a traditional class where it's, you know, once a week at the set time, I could just sign up for another class the next day. And I did it, I had my first French class. I actually have never done an online class before, so I wasn't really sure how I would like it, but it worked really well. I I think the hour flew by. They have sort of an online whiteboard that the teacher used so effectively, so I actually didn't even miss that we weren't in person with, you know, a chalkboard behind us or something. And afterwards, they send you a nice little email with some activities that you can do to keep practicing. If you want to try it out too, I really think the Sprint is a great way to get going with Lingoda. Now, you do have to pay a deposit for the Sprint, which you will also get refunded when you meet your goal. And Lingoda is offering 10 euros off anyone who signs up with the code expatcast. The sprint starts on March 28th and goes until April 16th. And because they have such small class sizes, there are limited spaces for the sprint. So you want to go ahead and sign up now. Thank you, Lingoda, for partnering with the expatcast for this episode. Welcome to the expatcast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. I'm someone who's all about community and something that I think is really cool over this bizarro COVID year plus that we're having is that a lot of people have had more free time than they otherwise would. And some people have taken that free time to turn to new projects such as podcasts. So actually the expat podcast world has really expanded a lot over the last year. And I'm just, I'm firmly of the opinion that there's room for all of us. And I'm very excited to hear these new podcasts, get to know these new hosts. They are just as much a part of the community as as listeners. Um, And I just, I really don't see other shows as competition. I just see it as more collaborators. And I say all that because there's two that I want to mention today. First off, I was a guest on a podcast. I was a guest on the podcast Transcontinental Overload, which is hosted by Steph, a German living in America. Her podcast is very similar to mine in in theme and that she takes on topics about living abroad. But of course, she's had the reverse experience. So it was a lot of fun to get to talk to her. We got into some really interesting stuff, including, yeah, something I haven't even talked about on my own show yet, which is one of the expat crises that I'm having. I won't tell you what it is because I want you to go listen to the episode. I'll link to that in the show notes. But Yeah, I'm going through a weird moment lately where I'm having a serious question about how I view Germany and how I view Germans. So yeah, that's the teaser you're going to get there. And go ahead and listen to Steph's interview with me over on Transcontinental Overload. The other expat podcast I want to mention is Pop Your Cultural Cherry, which is hosted by Lauen, 
who is actually my guest today. So I was very excited when he reached out because not only is he another fellow expat podcaster, he is from the Philippines living in Germany in specifically a town called Aachen. I had heard of Aachen before even moving to Germany, probably before even visiting Germany, and I never researched it further until now. And <laughs> now I had all this cool information presented to me in the form of a Travel Germany episode. In the Travel Germany series, I interview expats who live in parts of Germany that we might not have heard of or might not know much about, and they explain all about this new home of theirs, the different cool things that they found to do in and around the area, and they give us this cool insider's look into this place so that we can consider maybe making a trip there and discovering parts of Germany we wouldn't otherwise have known about. It's a really cool way to get to know not just a place, but also a person, And I'm always on the lookout for more episodes. So if you're someone who would be open to talking on the podcast, but you don't really want to talk about your personal life, totally fine. If you live somewhere cool, drop me a line and we'll see if we can do a Travel Germany episode. I'm excited to say I have a couple more coming out over the next several weeks, but I'm always in the market for more. So if you think you or your new home qualifies for that, go ahead and drop me a line. Just go on over to theexpatcast.com slash contact and fill out that form. With that said, let's dive on in and learn about the delightfully named city of Aachen. Enjoy! Yeah, so my name is Lawin. I'm originally from the Philippines, but I've um, been living in Aachen in Germany for the last two years. I am very excited to hear about Aachen. This is one of the few cities that I heard about really early on in learning German and learning about Germany. Of course, you hear about the big ones like Cologne and, and Berlin and Munich and all that stuff. But Aachen I heard of because there was this podcast I used to listen to to learn German and it was from the Deutsche Welle. And I think it was called Deutsch Warum Nicht. And it was this weird like make-believe story thing about this fairy and this person and they went on adventures. It was strange, but they did one or two episodes about or in Aachen, like this little elf creature ran away to Aachen and the person had to go find them. And so they talked about the city a little bit. And I remember just thinking it was really funny that it's called Aachen. I don't know. That's just a word that (laughs) sounds kind of silly to my ear. (laughs) So anyway... I'm really excited that we're going to talk about it because that's it's been in my mind for years now, five or six years now, but I've never really researched it. I've never been. So very excited to hear all of the insights that you've gathered in your two years there. Before we dive into the questions, is that the first place that you lived in Germany? Aachen is the first place I've lived in, lived in Germany, but previous to living here, I just lived across the border in the Netherlands in a city called Maastricht. So it's just around 30 kilometers away from Aachen. So that's kind of how I ended up here. So I I was studying there and then I found a job here. So I had to move from the Netherlands to Germany. That brings me to the first question, which is what brought you to Aachen and what was your first impression? So you said you you came here for a job, but do you remember the very first time that you visited the city? And do you remember if you, did you feel love at first sight or was it more of a slow burn? Yeah, so actually because... I was studying in a city that's only 30 kilometers from here. And actually, it's a smaller city. We would visit Aachen every now and then when I was still living there. And the first time I visited Aachen, I think, was just to like do some touring, like just to see the city center. It was cool. I found like it was the second city in Germany that I visited 
after München. So I thought that, yeah, it's pretty much like how I'd imagine another city in Germany. Very historical, cobblestones. I didn't. I can't say that I fell in love with it right away. But what I do remember is my first Christmas in Europe, I went to the Christmas market here in Aachen. And that Christmas market actually for me is very special. It's a really lovely Christmas market and it's always voted in like top 5, top 10 best Christmas markets in, in Germany. So around the region, people really visit this this Christmas market. So like the city just expands during Christmas time. And, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of, let's say, fell in love with the city. But yeah, the first time I visited it wasn't wasn't really Christmas. So I was just looking around the city. I thought, yeah, interesting, lots of history, Re- really nice city. But it took me a while, probably like after a year before I really started to feel at home in the city. It's funny what you said at the beginning of that, which was that it's kind of what you would imagine from a German city. Yeah. Because I find that actually that's a pretty special thing in Germany. Like a lot of times the imagination I had before I moved here of what Germany would look like, that's not necessarily everywhere because so many places were destroyed in the war and got rebuilt. um, And some took a more modern route and look kind of industrial or, yeah, I don't know. Like not, not everywhere does have the cobblestones and the sort of wood buildings that you see in pictures or you think of in Beauty and the Beast. So Whenever I hear of a place that really does hit the stereotype of Germany, I always think, oh, okay, that's probably actually really, really nice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, you're, you're right to say that because actually a lot of cities here, in, especially in this part of Germany, North Rhine-Westphalia, which is like the western part of, of Germany, like not a lot of cities are very well-preserved. Um, but Aachen is, is actually like an outlier. So it's it's... In that sense, like kind of what you imagine, like old um, municipality, old cathedral, cobblestones, old restaurants or whatever. So, yeah, in, in that sense, like you're right, it's it's special. But I've actually been also to other cities in Germany where it has a similar feel, especially like in Bavaria. You have a lot of like tiny um, cities there, tiny villages, which are really, really also kind of same feel of, of, of Aachen. For someone who's never, ever heard of Aachen before, what are three things that they need to know right off the bat? So unfortunately, it's I can't say it's the elf that, that you mentioned because I, that thing I've never heard of before. <laughs> but so Aachen used to be an old Roman settlement because it was a Roman settlement. You have really like built up infrastructure previously. So you have like a lot of kind of old looking Roman structures. And the cathedral here is actually a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So if you can ever visit Aachen, the first place you should visit is the cathedral because it's pretty well preserved, especially the inside of the cathedral. Usually we take a lot of pictures outside of the cathedral, but here it's like, it's also beautiful outside, but the inside is even, I'd say, more special. Another thing that a lot of people probably don't know is that Aachen has one of the best technical universities in Germany. It's a it's a very student centric city, and you you meet a lot of very technical people around the city from well actually from all over the world. So it's in in that sense it's very international, um. But also the I'd say like the people around the city are very young, so it's kind of cool in that sense. Um. And the the last thing that you have to know about Aachen is that it is also a border city. So there's actually a place here where three countries meet called the th- the three country point and so it, it's basically bordering the netherlands and belgium so actually i can just take my bicycle and 10 12 kilometers i think i can reach the 
Dutch border and in like 8 kilometers I can reach the Belgian border from the Aachen city center. Wow, that's really, really close to the other countries. I was sitting here thinking, you know, oh, that's something that Aachen and Freiburg have in common because Freiburg is also, yeah, they call it the Thailander Eck, like the three country corner. Exactly what it's called here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we all yeah. think we're so special. <laughs> but, but you know, Freiburg is close to Switzerland and France, but it's a 30 to 40 minute drive to either country. And you can bike... It's um, it's a commitment. I don't know how long it is in kilometers, but definitely a lot further than this 8 to 12 range. So that's really, really cool. Actually, <laughs> if you go further into this intersection near Freiburg of the three countries, they do a three country half marathon where you start in Switzerland, run to France, run to Germany, and then run back to Switzerland. I did that once and it was really cool just to wow. like run between these different countries. And I'm immediately, as soon as you said the kilometer distances between these places in Aachen, I'm like, oh man, I wonder if they have that there too, because that would be so cool. <laughs> I've never heard, but probably there is. Or you could just do it by yourself if you want to. Yeah, exactly. A <laughs> DIY. Well, okay, that transitions us great to the next question, which is, if I am going for a visit, what should I do? Well, we already have one answer. You should go to all of the countries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, what would you say someone should do with their time? What should they see? What should they eat? What should they drink? There's one interesting thing about the the three country point here. The three-country point in Aachen is actually the highest point of the Netherlands. And there's even like a like a stone that, 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 that's written that, oh, this is the highest point of the Netherlands. So it makes it a bit more special. It's literally just a hill. Like to most people, it's a hill. But yeah, to the Netherlands, it's the highest point in the whole country. So it's a bit special. So you should go there because it's actually like a theme park. And I guess for a lot of people who live in the Netherlands, like, you know, you want to see a mountain? Okay, go to your highest point and, you know, they go there for the weekend and there's some rides. Some, <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's one thing you can do. And I think I mentioned Aachen was a Roman settlement, but it was a Roman settlement primarily because of its um, spas. So they have a lot of like thermal baths here. So there's a lot of for like um, recovery of like old people or whatever. So the, Aachen is like a destination. So there are also these paths that you can go to just for the weekend, you know, just to hang out. Aachen, if you go a bit south, is actually the Eiffel, Eiffel National Park, which is a really big national park that borders with Belgium. And there's basically a lot of nature there. So a lot of nice old villages, some rivers and whatever. So I'd say like if you have a weekend, it's perfect. If you're really into nature, there are a lot of like hiking trails as well that lead you from Germany to Belgium and back to Germany. But if you go south towards Eiffel, is there more elevation or is it also more For of sure. a flatter area? Yeah, no, that <laughs> no that that becomes a bit more yeah, elevated. And actually, recently it was just winter, winter, and Aachen doesn't see that much snow. But once you go a bit south to the Eiffel area, then then the snow gets pretty thick, pretty thick, and it's just a couple kilometers away. So you're pretty much like in the middle of everything. You you also mentioned something about. Food and drinks. I think one thing that Aachen is, is famous for is printen. And printen is kind of like Leibkuchen or like gingerbread. So, but it's it's like specific to Aachen. So the Aachen has their own gingerbread and they're very, very proud of that. So you'll see it everywhere. So you'll see see it sold in bakeries, but you'll also see it as like a sauce in your in your meat or whatever. So it's pretty oh, wow. interesting that that they have this. And you also have a lot of old, really old German traditional restaurants. 
And the nice thing about being here and being um, neighbors with Netherlands and Belgium is that uh, you can get beer from all three countries. And that's pretty, pretty cool. If you like beer, then you get like yeah. special beers from all three. That's such a good point because, okay, I really like, uh, well, I like beer a lot and I really like <laughs> German beer, but I do miss the variety that you can get with, well, in America, it's the craft beer scheme that's really big, but in Europe, I mean, it's more the Belgian style of brewing that has a bit more diversity to it than the German beer. And I know someone out there is hearing me say that and going like, there's actually <laughs> so much you can do within the Reinheitsgebot. And that's true, but um, but you can do, sorry, you can just do a lot more when you don't have the Reinheitsgebot, when you don't have this, there's a law, sorry, I'm, I'm saying this word that means basically um, it's a purity law. And so German beer can only be brewed with four ingredients. You can do a lot with those four ingredients and it is really, really cool, but it also is in some ways limiting so i know some germans say like the belgian style is totally ridiculous because they put you know like fruit flavorings into it or like i don't know whatever stuff they do in the brewing process banana um, chocolate they, you 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 have everything yeah. basically <laughs> yeah and to some germans it's blasphemous and i do actually <laughs> i part of me does agree and i really do like the sort of crisp clearness of german beer but Sometimes you just want to get a little wild and have a chocolate stout and see what happens, you know? So you are you are selling me, sir. This is exactly <laughs> the kind of thing I need to know. You can get all of it there. Don't limit innovation. Exactly. <laughs> do people do that? Or like, would you say if you go out with Germans, do they still get mostly German beers? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'd say they're pretty proud of their beer. So most of the time they'll get German beer. But, but at least you always have that option. If you want to try something new. I wanted to ask about the the gingerbread you mentioned. Yeah. When they're so you said they put it in sauces too, but when they're right. selling it in a bakery, is it as like a loaf of bread or is it as cookies or like no, what it's, format, I guess? <laughs> it's it, it's it's like cookies. It's it's really like just like the the regular gingerbread. Well, sorry, the taste is not, but it in terms of looks. If I say that it's just like normal gingerbread, someone might assassinate me. So I don't want to say that. <laughs> Are there any other, like, let's say you do go to a classic German restaurant in Aachen. Are there certain dishes that are local to either Aachen or the area? I am not 100% sure, but they take a lot of pride in their Sauerbraten here. So that's, I don't even know how to explain that in English. Um, but it's kind of like meat with vinegar and, and some kind of dark sauce. I don't really know how to how to explain it the best, but... It's basically called Sauerbraten. I know you can get it in other parts of Germany, but people say, oh, the Aachen Sauerbraten is different. If someone does come to Aachen for the weekend, let's say, and they fill up maybe a day and a half or so of doing these kind of things that we were just talking about, and they still have some time they want to fill, let's say we expand our radius a little bit and look at day trips. I mean, obviously, we've touched on it a bit with like Eiffel and the giant mountain in the Netherlands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what sort of things could people do as a day trip out of Aachen? So actually, there are quite a few. So one of them is across the border. There's a big city in Belgium called Liège. It's one of the biggest like French-speaking cities in, in Belgium, I guess. If you want like a real city feel, like I think it is twice as big as Aachen. So you can just head on over there. They also have their own you know, history and own um, landmarks that you can visit. And they also have a river. So that's one thing actually Aachen doesn't have, a river. So I mentioned Liège. Another option is Maastricht in the Netherlands, which is also a very popular... Well, it's, it is actually one of the top-rated 
day trip areas in the Netherlands. So if you live in Amsterdam or whatever, you see a lot of people go down to Maastricht, which is the southernmost part of the Netherlands. And also like from Aachen, it's just 50 minutes by by bus or by train. And yeah, you also have a river there, also old architecture and also a student city and these cobblestone roads and whatever. So it's also a nice day trip from here. And I'd say one very special place near Aachen is a town called Monschau. And Monschau is actually in the Eiffel area. Maybe you've seen the miniseries on Netflix called Ube Weihnachten or About Christmas. It is actually based in this village in in the Eiffel called Monschau. So it has, I don't know, it, it's really like what you would imagine, like an old, untouched German city in the middle of the forest. So that's kind of like its charm to me because it's kind of hard to get there. I mean, from Aachen, it, it, you just need to take maybe an hour bus ride. But once you're there, like you really feel like you're transported to another world. Another thing that somehow just occurred to me with this whole three-country corner going on, are there a lot of signs of that in in the city itself? Like, are there signs in, in Dutch and in French, I guess, if you're on the French part of the belt of Belgium? Yeah, so what happens basically is when you're on the train, the recording of the next stop is played three times in different, in Dutch, French, and German. And I guess in English as well, depends on the train. And when you go to the city center, most of the restaurants actually have the menu in four languages. So you can just ask. And I, I'm not sure if the waiters can speak all four languages, but at least in the Christmas market, they can speak, I guess, French, Dutch, and well, most of them just speak German, but you'll find some people who can also speak French and Dutch as well and English. Okay, cool. So let's say that it's not a global pandemic and there's all sorts of cool local festivals happening throughout the year. Are there certain events or festivals that Aachen or the area is is famous for or that are worth visiting? Or otherwise, are there certain times of the year that are just better to visit than others? So during Christmas, like December, is probably the best time to visit Aachen just because of the Christmas market. So you get the Christmas market in Aachen, but also the Christmas market in Monschau is also pretty cool. So if you're here in December, you could, you know, hit both spots. Um, also, one thing about Aachen and this area is that it's not so far from Cologne. So carnival is also a very big thing here. So the carnival here gets really crazy. So that happens around February. If you come here in February, it's going to be cold, but make sure you have some costume with you. Like, <laughs> I think last year I came as a lobster and <laughs> February or December. It's the best time. And you mentioned it's near Cologne. How near? Like, can, like if, it, if you took the train, for instance, from Cologne, how long would it take? Right. It's probably like a 50-minute um, train ride from Cologne. So during carnival time, you could even go to Aachen, Cologne, to Dusseldorf, just to see like the different cities during carnival time. Because they all, well, all of them take pride in their own festivities there. But I mean, you as you know, if you're not from the area, like you can obviously just keep keep traveling around the, the cities and see for yourself which you like the most. You're really selling me on Aachen. Like, I feel like everything <laughs> everything you're saying is exactly the kind of stuff that I like to know personally when I choose where I want to go because I really like hiking and being in nature and like stumbling into little tiny villages. So Monschau sounds really, really cool. 
I like places where a bunch of different cultures collide. And I, I have a friend up in Amsterdam. And so when I go to visit him, I usually have to transfer trains in Cologne anyway. And so I'm, I'm already planning it in my head. I'm like, man, I can just hop off in yeah. Cologne, detour a little bit to Aachen, get all of the different kinds of beer and <laughs> go on these cool day trips. Like, And OK, well, next question is the one I always very selfishly ask. I am a librarian by day and a bookworm my whole life long. So I love libraries. I love bookstores. And I always like to ask if there's any cool libraries or bookstores in this area. So I am probably one of the worst persons to ask because I'm not a bookie myself. Um, in Aachen... Ah, you are doing so well. You are doing so <laughs> well. There's a but. There's a but. So in, okay. in Aachen it, itself, it. there is none. But if you go to Maastricht, there's actually an old cathedral, an old church that they rebuilt the interior just to be a bookstore. And it's like a, a, a bookstore inside the church with a, ca with a coffee shop. You redeemed it. That's See? amazing. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's magical. Have you been? I've been, yeah, for sure. For sure. It's wow. nice. It's nice. You can grab a book and, you know, drink some coffee and just get inspiration from the interiors of the church. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's nice that they have a cafe there too, because you do want to just like you just want to sit and seep yourself in that environment when you find something special like that. So I yeah, I could totally envision grabbing a coffee, sitting down, taking it in. Okay, that was that was good. It started rough, but it ended well. <laughs> you you've been living there for 2 years now. You've been in the area for even longer than that. So through all this time you've had to explore and get to know every little corner of Aachen and the area. What is your personal favorite spot to be? Honestly, the city center is always special to me. You know, if you live in a city and you always go to the city center, you know, you most of the time you get bored of it. But there's something about the Aachen city center that whenever I'm there, you know, I just want to look around, even though I've seen the cathedral like 100 times or more. <laughs> I just want to, you know, <laughs> hang around in that area because the, the feel is also nice. You, the, the city is very young. You have a lot of these like hipster-ish pubs, hipster-ish restaurants with like student priced or whatever. So, you know, there's a lot of these options there and just the, the atmosphere is also different. So I'd say just coming here and heading out to the city center. And if you have time, taking my mountain bike into the forest. So I'd say those are my two favorite things I like doing in, in Aachen. Yeah, I imagine with the city center too, there's probably a great market there and there's probably yeah. really good people watching because Places with colleges always have a bunch of weirdos doing weird stuff all the time. <laughs> Good point. Okay, so I'm, as said, pretty much completely sold that I need to stop there on my next visit up to Amsterdam. But if someone's not, this is your chance to give your ultimate elevator pitch. Why should people come check out this corner of the world? First of all, Aachen has a lot of history, which I mentioned um, throughout this episode. A lot of nature, thermal baths. And the most important thing that Aachen has is that it's well connected to everything. So actually, the train that a lot of these intercity trains from Brussels to Frankfurt or Brussels to wherever or Paris to Germany, they all pass through actually Aachen. So Aachen is like a good stopover, a good layover place. And, and everything is so compact that it's all walkable. So, you know, if you have a few hours, if you're going from Germany to France by train or Belgium to, to Germany by train, 
then this is like the perfect place to to take your layover. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is in addition to it being a very selfish endeavor to try to f- figure out where I want to visit. This the series is actually also just about highlighting the smaller places around Germany because, as said, we we do know the bigger cities, and there's a lot to dive into there, and we will start to do that too. But there's so many places like if you've ever taken a long train trip or a road trip or anything, there's all these these places that you go by that you're like, oh, I feel like I heard of it once, but you don't really know enough to know if it's worth stopping or not, and. Yeah, but the way you've painted this picture of this place, uh, it's pretty compelling. And I would hope that the next time someone has a trip, if they're going by, that they would pop out and explore. Because people who aren't from here might not think, well, it's not that they wouldn't think to go to these smaller places, but it's just hard to know where to go, you know, because that's the whole point. You don't know these places. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. All right. Now everyone's got Aachen on their radar for the post-COVID world. And with that, we're going to round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It is a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you're going to answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? Yep. What is your very least favorite month of the year in Germany? January. No, because it's cold and there's nothing happening. December has the Christmas markets and February has carnival. And January is just cold month in between these two awesome months. Okay. And if you are heading over to a friend's house for a nice little hangout, what is your go-to snack to bring with you? Because I'm from Aachen, I'm going to say Printen. And finally, what is the first meal or drink that you're looking forward to having once we finally get out of this lockdown and are allowed to go to restaurants and cafes again? I'd probably take a very special craft beer from Belgium. Sorry, Germany, but yeah. <laughs> Some special beer from Belgium and drink it with friends because I can always buy that beer right now, but it's different when you, you, know, you drink it with, with other people. And you know what else is different is when you have it draft instead of in the bottle. That is true. Yep. I that's that's my personal answer. I have been longing for a beer from Fass, like a beer from yeah. uh, on drought this whole time. I just I can't wait till that's possible and safe again. <laughs> All right, those were your XXX. And there's one thing, one aspect of your life in Germany that we haven't touched on yet that I want to give some time to talk about, which is that you are a fellow podcaster. So tell us about your show. In December, during the, the lockdown, and while I was, you know, in Germany during the lockdown, I wasn't able to, to go fly back home to the Philippines. I started my own podcast, and my podcast is called Pop Your Cultural Cherry. It's about trying new cultural things for the first time. That's the name. Um, and it's a more it's more about, you know, to get people interested in, in going out of their comfort zone and really, you know, d- diving deep into a new culture. So... I think the target of my podcast is more about immigrants coming into Europe or or expats coming into Europe. I have about 12 episodes now. Uh, I have some monologues where I just talk about specific topics, but I also started interviewing people. And yeah, hopefully some of you guys can give it a listen. And, and... Yeah, do you want to tell us what a couple of the episode topics have been? Give people a little sneak peek, right. a little taste test. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, so some of my episodes are about culture in germany like culture shocks for me because i'm from the philippines and it's very it's it's totally different part of the world first the weather and the food and social interactions with other people 
I interviewed recently a person who is a job coach in Germany. So she's a person who gives advice for expats and immigrants to, you know, land a job in Germany. Right now, it's a bit more geared towards like Asian people. The idea is to, you know, go beyond that other parts of the world. Well, very cool. So we'll link to the podcast in the show notes. Do you have social media for it as well? Yeah, so I'm on. So you can listen to my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other um, streaming platforms. But at the same time, I also manage a Facebook page and Instagram account. So just look for Pop Your Cultural Cherry and you'll find my show. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us about Aachen. It was really, really fun to get to learn about. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm glad I could, hopefully after the whole COVID thing, bring some business back to Aachen. Thanks one more time to Lawen for coming onto the show. Once again, you can find his podcast at Pop Your Cultural Cherry. We'll link to that in the show notes. While you're at it, you can go ahead and follow me on social media if you don't already. I am at The Expat Cast on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can visit me online at theexpatcast.com. I got a new five-star review this week, so you know I'm happy and I'm having a good moment. I would love to get more of those, so if you've been enjoying the show, the best way you can let me know and encourage the show and its growth is to go ahead and to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or directly on my website. That really helps me reach new audiences, new ears, and expand this lovely community that we've got growing here. I want to thank, as always, Amy Lundy Art for the logo and Sidehub for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. Next week is April Fool's Day. I'm not going to tell you quite what the episode's going to be about, but it's it's in keeping with April Fool's, so brace yourself for that. It's going to be a fun one. Until then, have a wonderful week. Have a great end of March. Fist done. Tschüss.